Since 2016, we have seen politics make a dramatic shift in this country. Donald Trump, a right-wing populist, he won. Bernie Sanders, many people thought he would win. We can clearly see that populism is on the rise. But since the midterms, things have taken another extreme turn, and now it seems like the Democratic Party is being split by a new breed of progressive or far-left or extremist types. Based on certain news events that have happened recently, most notably the Covington Catholic scandal, we can see some statements made by some of the newly elected progressive Democrats. We can look at the Women's March and the controversy surrounding anti-Semitism and see that there are certain extremists or people who just don't care about bigotry who are making their way into the Democratic Party. Not only that, many of these people oppose Nancy Pelosi. So it really feels like the Democrats themselves are facing a massive split. And this could present a huge problem going into 2020 and 2024 if the Democrats can't form a coalition to actually oust Republicans. So today, let's take a look at some controversial statements from some of the new progressive Democrats and show why I think the Democrats have been infected by a wave of extremism. But before we get started, I have a major announcement. Subscribestar is back. They've fixed all of their problems. They have overcome the deplatforming. However, you have to go back in and re-enter your details if you would like to continue supporting me on Subscribestar. This will be available as an alternative, but for those that don't want to support me with money, you can simply share this video and help spread the message. From the Daily Caller, Elon Omar jumps on the Covington Kids smear bandwagon three days late. Democratic Minnesota Rep. Elon Omar continued to promulgate a debunked narrative on Tuesday by misrepresenting an incident between Catholic high school boys, black supremacists, and American Indian activists. I'm sure by now many of you know the story. The black Hebrew Israelites were yelling racist and homophobic things at these kids. The Native Americans, who, according to one of the natives, wanted to stand in solidarity with the Hebrew Israelites, marched up to the group, got into the face of one of the kids, and thus here we are. They say a short video quickly went viral showing the boys laughing and chanting around the small group of Native American protesters. The boys who were wearing MAGA hats were quickly dubbed the MAGA hat kids, and the incident was characterized as a racially motivated attack. A longer video was released that corroborated the students' accounts of events and debunked Phillips' statements. Regardless, Omar continued to promote the false narrative three days after it was debunked. She tweeted, The boys were protesting a women's right to choose and yelled, It's not rape if you enjoy it. They were taunting five black men before they surrounded Phillips and led racist chants. Sandman's family hired a right-wing PR firm to write his non-apology. Now let's go through this first. The boys were protesting a woman's right to choose is a biased way of framing they were at a pro-life march. Obviously, if you're on the left, that's probably how you'd frame it, so take that for, for what it is. She also said that they yelled, it's not rape if you enjoy it. This was one kid. We don't know who he is. Now, many of the students have claimed he was not actually a student of Covenant Catholic, with one person saying he does not go to CovCath. That doesn't mean it's true. It just means there's nothing to verify this was coming from the kids. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. It would probably be better if we had evidence of who this kid was if we wanted to pursue this narrative. However, she goes on to say they were taunting five black men before they surrounded Phillips and led racist chants. This is probably the most shocking narrative I've seen from the whole thing. Everyone knows the black Hebrew Israelites are a fringe group of hateful racists. Even the Southern Poverty Law Center has written about them. Other activists who have been writing about this have tried to claim it was simply peaceful black men expressing their freedom of speech. Sure, but these kids in the MAGA hats were shouting them down because they were racist, and that's also free speech. 
Why is it that when Antifa shows up and bashes someone over the head in Portland with a club because he had an American flag and happened to have been a Bernie voter, they say freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequence. Yet when it's a known hate group, the black Hebrew Israelites, they say it was young people harassing or taunting five black men. I have to say, I really am surprised to see a sitting congresswoman defend a known hate group. Now, some people said maybe she just didn't know it actually happened. She didn't track the news, but I don't think that's actually true. Because the first point she made actually came from a video that came out about the 22nd. When she said the boys were protesting women's right to choose and yelled, it's not rape if you enjoy it, this actually came from a talking point around the time, around the day she posted this, when it started going viral. So she clearly did see updates, and it's entirely likely she knew who these men were, but wanted to push this narrative for presumably tribal reasons I don't know. The point is, Whether or not she knew or she didn't, she was pushing a narrative that was actually pushed back on by almost every mainstream news outlet and even many left-wing individuals who apologized. Kara Swisher, for instance, said she unequivocally apologizes to all of these kids. Now, she's not a Democrat, but the point I'm trying to make is clearly whatever world Elon Omar is in is separate from where the rest of the mainstream left actually is. But this is the only thing I want to highlight. I also want to highlight Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaking at the Women's March, even though the Democrats disavowed. They say Ocasio-Cortez spoke at the Women's March in New York on Saturday, even as the Democratic Party pulled its sponsorship of the rally over accusations of anti-Semitism aimed at the march's leaders. Ocasio-Cortez told a cheering crowd Saturday that justice was not a concept we read about in a book, while referencing issues of inequality, such as vote access and unequal pay for women in the workplace. Whatever your opinion on Cortez's is besides the point. The fact is, she spoke at an event that the Democrats, even the DNC, have pulled away from or outright denounced. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, a Democrat, wrote an op-ed for USA Today denouncing the Women's March. I cannot associate with the National March's leaders and principles, which refuse to completely repudiate anti-Semitism and all forms of bigotry. I cannot walk shoulder to shoulder with leaders who lock arms with outspoken peddlers of hate. When a reporter asked Cortez about the anti-Semitism scandal, she deflected and didn't actually respond, saying, I think that concerns of anti-Semitism with the current administration in the White House are absolutely valid, and we need to make sure we are protecting the Jewish community and all those that feel vulnerable in this moment. Many of the Democratic 2020 hopefuls have pulled out or said they will be preoccupied, and the DNC itself pulls Women's March sponsorship amid anti-Semitism controversy. Alexander Ocasio-Cortez has no problem standing behind a banner associated with overt anti-Semites who believe in fringe anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, and when questioned about it, she deflected and talked about Trump instead. Now, I don't think Cortez is an anti-Semite. I'm not trying to say that. But there is a stark contrast between her and the other mainstream Democrats that says to me the party is rather fractured. You've got this new wave of progressives willing to downplay what a racist hate group was saying, yelling homophobic slurs, calling them just black activists. And you've got Ocasio-Cortez speaking at an event that the Democrats themselves have actually disavowed. It's not just these two incidents, though. We can look at the wide field how many different Democrats are running already? I honestly don't know, but I made the joke before when one candidate announced he wouldn't run. The joke I made was it's easier to list all the Democrats who aren't running because so many are. But what happens when one popular Democrat runs, but actually is rather divisive? Vox ran this story. Tulsi Gabbard, the controversial longshot Democrat 2020 candidate, explained how Gabbard went from rising star to controversial figure. I don't want to talk about everything Tulsi Gabbard has done or said. There are some criticisms in her past, such as her meeting with Assad, but that's besides the point. The point is, 
She supported Bernie Sanders. Many people in the Democratic Party and on the left like her, but many people associated with the far left and the progressives call her a moderate Republican. She is another example of the fracture in the Democratic Party. And there are some other interesting examples of Democrats breaking ranks. From Fox News, Hoyer says, sure, when asked if Trump can deliver State of the Union despite Pelosi's objections. We also had this story from back in November. One third of non-incumbent House Democratic candidates don't support Nancy Pelosi. And as many of you probably know or can remember, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez actually joined a protest in Pelosi's office, generating a lot of controversy. Why would a new Democrat, a progressive, actually protest another Democrat and not Republicans? It's because within the Democratic Party, the far left faction are willing to stand behind anti-Semites when the main faction of the party is not. They're willing to defend a hate group when most other people have already disavowed. They're willing to stand behind tribalism more than anything. And this means they're actually not like mainstream Democrats. They're not like Democrats at all. They're actually very, very different and stand in contrast to these Democrats. I don't know what this means, but my assumption is when you see someone like Ilan Omar willing to make so many controversial statements, criticizing Israel, saying they hypnotize the world, defending the black Hebrew Israelites, when you see Ocasio-Cortez refusing to denounce the Women's March, it sounds like there's something different here. And the way I phrase it is the fox is guarding the henhouse. Not so much for Cortez. I think she's more clueless than anything. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but she has made several false statements because it seems like too often she doesn't really know what she's talking about. There's certainly some other interesting stories that I could mention. This one from the Washington Post just yesterday. Trump is being the adult in the room on the showdown where they actually beg the Democrats to come to the table and actually start negotiating because Trump has actually tried and the Democrats aren't. There's a reason I bring up this one last story. It's because there is something that unifies all of these Democrats, opposition to Trump. But Trump won't be president forever. He'll likely get a second term. At least that's my opinion. He'll probably win again because of the the fracturing in the Democratic Party. But beyond that, what will the Democrats actually have to form a coalition around? When Trump is gone, that's it. And you've got so many different factions of Democrats now, including Democratic Socialists, Progressive, Identitarians. They're not going to agree on everything. There are many centrist Democrats who won't support someone like Kirsten Gillibrand, who has promoted intersectionality and identitarianism. They're going to oppose that. I'm likely to vote Democrat, but I don't know who I'm going to vote for because I won't support half of these people. So what happens? We've already seen Bernie voters go to Donald Trump. And I think something is similar to happen if the Democrats can't form a coalition and come together around a common set of values. But let me know what you think in the comments below and we'll keep the conversation going. What do you think this means? Do you think maybe I'm exaggerating or do you think it is fair to say that there's a new sect of Democrats that hold rather extremist views and they're becoming more prominent? Again, comment. We'll keep the conversation going. You can follow me on Twitter at TimCast. Stay tuned. New videos every day at 4 p.m. And I'll have more videos on my second channel, youtube.com slash TimCastNews, starting at 6 p.m. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all next time.